Hey, C3 Noosa, Pastor Jürgen here. Man, do I wish I was with you guys at this time. I love Noosa. What a beautiful part of the world, beautiful beaches, and then what an amazing team is gathering there at uh, C3 Noosa. Well, I guess you're gathering online at the moment. The whole world's in lockdown because of COVID-19. God bless the Wuhan labs. God bless Bat Soup. Uh, just a little precautionary note, do not eat bat soup. It's not going to go well for you. I don't know who thought up that idea. Dumb idea. Let's learn from that. Move on. But uh, I'm just so honored to be able to speak to you. And uh, as you know, uh, Christian and Melissa have been our dearest friends for the last 22 years. And so we love them so much. And uh, we love their beautiful family. Today, I've got a message for you called Prophesy in the Valley. Prophesy in the valley. The valley in the Bible speaks of low places. It speaks of difficult places. And more than anything, it speaks of isolation. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, of the appearance of death, of the weight of death, the, 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 the sentence of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I will fear no evil for God you are with me. All the way through the Bible, people found themselves in valleys. You may be in a valley moment right now. You may not be coping with the isolation or you may be in a valley moment right now. It's dark. It's depressing. It's difficult. I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm concerned about the future. I'm concerned about my business. I'm concerned about my children. I'm concerned about my family and concerned about my relationships. I'm concerned. How am I going to make it out of this valley? Well, fortunately, the Bible is brilliant because the Bible is not a sunshine and lollipops Bible. In fact, God does His greatest work in our valleys. God does His most powerful things in our wilderness moments, in our desert moments. Things go into a valley, but they come up holding the head of Goliath. Things go into a wilderness, but they come out anointed. The Bible says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted and tested by the devil, but he returned from the wilderness in the power of the Holy Ghost. What the devil has arranged for your downfall, God has already predetermined will be your windfall, will be your promotion, will be your uplifting, will be your elevating, will be your increasing. And so I want to talk to you about that today. So let me read the scripture. Come with me in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel 37. It's a powerful passage. You'll probably be familiar with it if you've been around C3 and heard Pastor Phil Pringle preach at any time. One of his go-to messages is Ezekiel 37. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And indeed, it was full of bones. Then He caused me to, buy them, caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. Excuse me. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you. Bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. 
Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come out from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I brought you up from your graves and I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I'll place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Amen. Well, if you ever travel to Israel, if you ever have the opportunity, the, the blessing and the, the luxury to travel to Israel, you'll find that this scripture is an incredibly significant and profound scripture for them because for 2,000 years when, uh, when the Romans destroyed the temple in AD 70, the Jews were scattered all over the world. They were scattered for almost 2,000 years, 1,900 years. But in 1948, a miracle happened from all over the world and against all odds, God brought Jews back to their land, literally like they came out of their graves. And this scripture was fulfilled that Israel, after almost 2,000 years, became a nation again. And their army came together again and they, they were outnumbered, they were outgunned, they were surrounded by the enemies thinking they were going to wipe out Israel, it was going to be a piece of cake. And Israel pushed back their enemies, reestablished their boundaries and their borders and was officially recognized as the nation of Israel once again. Can I just tell you? that God knows how to look after His own. God knows how to look after His people. And God certainly knows how to look after you. So let me give you four quick points this afternoon. Number one, what do you do in your valley? You prophesy in your valley. You prophesy in your valley. God does His finest work in a valley. When David met Goliath, everybody that was looking at this teenage boy going into a valley thought that he was going to his death. He was facing a warrior. He was facing an undefeated champion. He was facing the heavyweight champion of the world, Goliath. Goliath! He was facing a warrior that did not know defeat. Not only did he not know defeat, but he was well armed. He was well equipped and he was piping off. He was taunting morning and evening. Give me a man that we may fight. Give me a man that we may fight. Morning and evening, morning and evening. Well, the Bible says that it wasn't just Goliath, but a shield bearer went before him. So it was two against one. David goes into the battle unarmed. He goes into the valley, into the valley unprotected. He has no armor. He doesn't have a bronze helmet on his head. Doesn't have a coat of mail covering his chest. He has no bronze on his, on his arms and on his legs. He's just wearing a shepherd's coat. And he goes in and everybody thinks he's going to die. David writes Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through. Notice he doesn't say, Yea, though I walk into. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And let me just say this. You may be feeling right now that you're in a valley, in a low point, a low point relationally, a low point emotionally, a low point financially, a low point spiritually, and you're in a low point and it feels like the shadow of death. It feels like death's shadow has been cast over you. It's only a matter of moments. It's only a matter of seconds. It's only a matter of months. And the shadow that is hanging over me is going to be caught up by the reality of what is casting that shadow, the shadow of death. Everybody thought that Goliath, the shadow that David was walking into, would eventually be the Goliath who would take off David's head. But David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God, you are with me. David's faith was in the promises of God. When Goliath pipes off and curses David by his gods, David does something profound and powerful. David looks at Goliath. He looks at his problem. He looks at the job loss. He looks at death staring him down. He looks at the divorce papers. He looks at the downturn in the economy. He looks at the famine. He looks at COVID-19. He looks at this soothsayer. And he says, you come against me, well-armed, well-equipped with your sword, your spear, and your javelin. But guess what? I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. Do you realize that God has given him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow? Every name that is named must bow to the name of Jesus. They've named it COVID-19. Guess what? It must bow to the name of Jesus Christ. So David says, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts whose arm is you. And this day I will take your head from your shoulders and I'll cast your body to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air so the whole world may know there's a God in Israel. Are you prophesying in your valleys or are you whining and complaining? Listen, you and I are inundated in an age and an era of fake news. The reason there is fake news. It's not because they're only anti-Trump. It's not because, well, there is fake news because they understand that people are easily led and easily controlled when we all echo the same narrative. Don't come under fear. Don't come under anxiety. Don't come under control. Come under the Word of God. The Word of God sets you over nations, sets you over kingdoms, Jeremiah 1.10. Come into the alignment with the Word of God and speak the Word of God into your circumstances. Speak the Word of God to your COVID-19. Speak the Word of God to your giant, whatever you're facing. Prophesy in your valley. I remember when uh, we lived in New Zealand at the end of Bible College, 1991. Uh, I was a part of Hillsong back then. They sent me to New Zealand to help pioneer a church. And my wife and I, Leanne, got married uh, seven months later. That year I flew back to Australia, got married, brought her over to New Zealand. We started our life together. Well, maybe about 18 months later, we got church and we got a South African prophet. And he prophesies over me, stands me up. I was always a prophecy magnet. That's what happens if you're faithful to God. The Holy Ghost will find you in any meeting. And he stands me up and says, I don't know you right now, but I can tell God's hands upon your life. And I see you under incredible pressure. I see you needing things to be supplied. I don't know where you live right now, but I see God's going to give you a home. 
He's going to give you, he's going to pay your school fees. Up until then, he had no idea that I was working for the church for free. And, but God knew and God was watching and God knew that the laborer is worthy of his wages. We were, we were struggling. We were just living hand to mouth. But all of a sudden God comes through and he says, are you pregnant right now, lady, to my wife? And she says, no, no, we've got a five-year plan. Well, he says, guess what? You're pregnant. You're going to have a child, you're going to have a little boy. And sure enough, she, six weeks later, we find out she's six weeks pregnant with little Jordan. And he said, we, I see you under pressure, needing things to be supplied. Well, I took that prophecy and back then it was on cassette, which kind of dates and ages me, but we would, we would put it in the car and we would listen to it. It was a miracle. We had no money. We had no savings. We had no deposit, but we had a word from God. We had a word from God. So I took Leanne in the car and we're driving around and we're driving around Otara and East Tamaki and Otahuhu and some of the cheaper areas. And they're, they're cheaper because there's a little more gang violence to enjoy and a lot of graffiti and uh, houses that have... Um, cars that were worked on, or at least they were up on blocks with wheels missing and windscreens and stereos and upholstery stripped, just sitting on the front lawn, which is a nice look, nice look with long grass growing around it and broken windows and graffiti. And uh, anyway, I'm driving through there looking, you know, for homes for sale. And Leanne's like, what are you, what are you doing here? I said, well, uh, I'm looking for a home. She goes, I don't want to live here. I said, well, where do you want to live? Because I want to live in Waddle Downs. I'm like, Waddle Downs? Are you crazy woman? We can't afford Waddle Downs. She says, we can't afford this. I'm like, you're right. We can't afford anything. We've got no income. We've got no savings. We've got no deposit. She goes, besides, I thought you said God was going to supply. I'm like, oh, crud. Oh, shoot. So I did a U-turn. We drive down to Waddle Downs. We would go up and we would find homes and we would get that prophecy and we'd lay hands on their mailbox. And then, you know, when they came out, we'd kind of run, hey, you got mail? And we'd just kind of run. Uh, but we would lay hands on, God, we like this one. We'd lay hand. Well, anyway, long story short, Leanne's in the supermarket and she's talking with a lady. And the lady says, uh, where are you living right now? See that you're pregnant. Leanne says, well, you know, we're looking for a home. Oh, where are you looking? Leanne says, well, we really like Waddle Downs. Oh, my gosh, my daughter is selling a home in Waddle Downs. While that conversation was happening, the associate pastor of our church had heard through the grapevine that I was believing God for a house. So he calls, calls me into his office. And he said, uh, I hear you're, uh, from your youth leaders that you're believing God for a house. I said, oh, yes, sir, that's correct. He says, no, no, listen. God's given you a house, the house you're renting. That's God's provision. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure the prophecy said God was going to give us a house. He's like, yeah, the house you're renting. Look, you don't earn enough. You don't have enough. You have no deposit. Do you know how impossible it is? So right there, because he was the business manager of our church, he got on speed dial and began to call every single bank in New Zealand. Bank of New Zealand, uh, the ASB Bank, the Auckland Savings Bank, uh, ANZ Bank, he called bank, the National Bank, bank after bank after bank. And they all said, we wouldn't give him a loan, wouldn't give him a loan, wouldn't give him a loan. One bank said, yeah, we'd give him a loan up to $40,000. And I'm like, I, I really want a house, not a car. And, but that was it. So he says, now forget it. He told me to forget it. There was no way in my valley, there was no way in my natural circumstances that we were going to be able to afford our house. But you know what I did have? I did have a word from God. 
I had a word from God, a prophetic word. So what Leanne and I would do was we would prophesy in our valley. Another time I'll tell you the full story because I can see the clock ticking away. But we kept prophesying and we kept believing. We didn't let the negativity or the lack of faith and even some of our leaders and people around about us discourage us. We kept shooting the Word of God out, shooting the Word of God out, shooting the Word of God out. Guess what? We ended up living in 10 Dalmahoy Plays in a beautiful cul-de-sac. We could see from our kitchen window the beautiful Manukau Harbour. We got a home, a miracle, an incredible miracle right there in Waddle Downs. It set us up for literally the next step and the next step. We have what we have today because of that first breakthrough there. I want you to know that God is with you in your valley, but don't complain in your valley. Don't die in your valley. Prophesy in your valley. Second thing that you need to understand is your mouth's confession is the setting of what's possible. Your mouth's confession is the setting of what's possible. Believe it or not, your mouth is the thermostat and it is the thermostat of your faith. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You'll know the level of faith you have, not by the scriptures you quote, not by the Hail Mary prayers you pray, by, but by the dialogue that comes out of your mouth. If it's, if it's impossible to you, then it's impossible. If it's too difficult, then it's too difficult. It is as you say. Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, it is as you say. I love the scene in um, Empire Strikes Back where uh, Luke Skywalker is told in no uncertain terms by Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke, Luke, go to the Dagobah system. There, Yoda will train you. And so, you know, he lands his uh, X-wing fighter in a swamp, stuck in the swamp, and then this kind of little weird creature finds him, and he's like, "Hey, get out of here! Get out! Get out of that! Listen, I'm trying to find this great Jedi warrior. Oh, mm, you seek Yoda? Yoda, you seek? Oh. And he's like, "That's exactly who I see. You know him? Oh, take you to him, I will. Come, take you to him, I will." And so he follows his. his I don't have time for this. And then he realizes that. This little creature is actually Yoda, this great Jedi warrior, just in a small package. Well, at the end of the training, he's like, what do I do about my X-Wing? I can't get it out. And so Yoda's like, you've just completed your training. Try. And he tries and he gets it up a little bit and then he drops it down and he says, I can't do it. I, I, I just, I, I, I can't do it. And so little Yoda looks at him and says, hmm, judge me by my size, do you? And then it's a powerful scene. He puts out his hand. And then he brings the X-Wing fighter up out of the water. And then he moves it onto the land and he puts it down on the land. And Luke Skywalker's eyes are like this. And as it lands on the dry land, he goes, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And Yoda looks at him and says, that is why you fail. That is why you fail. At the end of the day, God says to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, with everything that he's looking at, is looking at impossible. He's looking at so difficult. He's looking at dead bones in a dead valley, in a desert. He's looking at, but he doesn't want to tell God impossible. He's got enough sense to understand. So he says, oh Lord, you know. And God says to him, prophesy, prophesy to these bones that they may live. Can I just encourage you that the words of your mouth tell you 
the words that flow out of your mouth, not just in church, but every day. Well, I'm not sure how we're going to make it. Oh, it's so difficult. Money doesn't grow on trees. Well, let me tell you, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those who love it shall eat its fruit. Your life is a product of the fruit of your mouth. The fruit of your life is a product of the words of your mouth. Your mouth is the thermostat setting. If you want to change your external world, change what is flowing out of your mouth. You were created to prophesy. You're made in the image and the likeness of God. When God said, let there be light, it wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a request. It wasn't a Hail Mary pass. It was spoken in faith and the word came to pass. Ten times in Genesis 1, God says, let there be and it was so. Let there be and it was so. God created man in Genesis 1 in his image and in his likeness. You need to understand that your world is a product of your words. Your world is a product of your words. Number three, prophesying is not just positively speaking. There's a lot of people think that, oh, I get you. I love you guys at Awaken Church at C3. You guys are like new agey, aren't you? You guys like, you know, positive speaking, positive thinking, the power of positivity. That's not what I'm talking about. God didn't just say, hey, be positive, speak positive. God said to him, prophesy. Now, when Elijah, uh, sorry, Elijah, when Ezekiel first prophesies, the bones come together, but there's no life. The Bible says bone to bone, sinews came, but there was no life in them. Do you know how many people said, well, I tried that, Pastor. I tried prophesying, but nothing happened. We, we, you know, we tried believing God. We tried praying and, and the cancer went into remission, but then it came back even more aggressive. You know what? Maybe this is God's will. Well, I want you to notice the first time Elijah, uh, Ezekiel, excuse me, prophesied, the bones came together, but no life came. So he had to prophesy again. And God says to him, prophesy again and say this, speak to the the wind and say, hear the word of the Lord. What are you speaking? What are you speaking about in your valley? What are you declaring in your valley? Don't declare the opinions of the doctors, the opinions of the financial experts. Don't declare what is, you know, on CNN news, begin to declare what God is saying, prophesy, don't just speak positively, but prophesy. Get a word from God, put it in your mouth and shoot it into the valley. Shoot it into your dry bones. Shoot it into your circumstances. Uh, you know, a lot of people that think that, you know, God is a, a hyper-faith God, although we preach a hyper-faith gospel. You know, that somehow God is, faith is living in um, non-reality. Like, you know, God is out of touch with reality. That, you know, um, you know, if you don't, don't, just don't believe you're sick. You're not sick. You're just expressing symptoms. No, I'm pretty sure my leg's broken. No, 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 no. Don't say that. Just, just say my leg's healed, but, but my femur's sticking out of my, and I can't put weight on it. No, no, just, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about hyper faith. Let me just tell you this. God's faith does not deny reality. God says, what happened? The bones came together. There was no life. So God says, all right, next chapter, prophesy to the wind, prophesy to the breath and say, breathe, O son of man, breathe wind on these bones that they may live. God 
doesn't live in an alternate reality. God doesn't live in a fictional reality. He lives in a superior kingdom. And the only way for you to unlock the power that flows from His superior kingdom is for you to get into faith and begin to shoot His Word. His Word and His kingdom are congruent. In fact, He does not have a kingdom where His Word is not received and applied. How do you know where the kingdom of God begins and where it ends? It's very simple. Those who reject the word of God are outside of His kingdom. Those who receive the word of God enter into His kingdom. You want to be in His kingdom, so speak the word of God. And the last one is prophesy as you are commanded. Prophesy as you are commanded. God God is a God of process. We like instant. But in Genesis, God creates everything in six days. Well, that's because He couldn't do it in one too much. God could have created everything in one day. He could have done it in an hour. He could have done it in a minute, but He didn't. Created the first day, that's enough for today. Created the second day, enough for today. Created the third day, enough for today. Fourth day, all the animals, vegetation. Fifth day, cattle, beasts, birds, fish. Sixth day, man. Seventh day, rest. Why is that? Because God is a God of process. God is a God of process. God has a process. They came to Jesus and they said, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Jesus, like I'm on mission. Yeah, but he's sick. You mean jettison your mission, go, Lazarus, he's not well. Jesus says, well, you know, this sickness won't end in death. Well, you know the story. Four days later, they get there and he's been dead four days. So they're like, well, I guess you missed that one. Can't be right all the time, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I didn't say he wouldn't die. I just said this sickness will not end in death. When Jesus said this sickness will not end in death, he knew that he physically couldn't get there, but he didn't need to physically get there. What he did was he sent his word ahead of him. God is not a man that he should lie. So every word that comes out of God's mouth is truth. And every word that comes out of God's mouth has power. When the word of God is in your mouth, you're speaking truth and you're speaking power. So when they rolled the stone over Lazarus's tomb and put his decomposing corpse in there, it wasn't a, a, a cave, a tomb with darkness and a decomposing body only. The Word of God was hovering over Lazarus, the Word that said it will not end in death. And when Jesus came near the tomb, He says, roll away the stone. They said, oh no, by now there's a stench. Sweetie, Didn't I say to you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? He's been dead four days. I am the resurrection and the life. Where I go, resurrection goes. Roll away the stone. And then he commanded, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came out. Prophesy as you are commanded. Speak faith. Declare breakthrough. Declare healing. Declare deliverance. Declare every dollar that you've lost is coming back twofold in Jesus' name. Well, we've run out of time. Let me pray for you. I know the pastor Christian is going to give an appeal today for, for you to come up. And if your life's not right with Christ, get your life right with Christ. If you're away from God, come back to God. If you're walking through your valley and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to look, look to God. What do you do as you look to God? Shoot His Word. Prophesy in your valley. Father, I thank You for these beautiful people. Bless them today. Bless Pastor Christian, Pastor Melissa, their extraordinary team. Father, let the power of God hit that church. Let it be an extraordinary Sunday. Let it be an extraordinary weekend. And let it be a life-changing, power-lifting Word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. 
Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.